Well, it wasn't the homecoming Kyle Dubas was expecting for as the Toronto Maple Leafs took care of business against the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morsuti from Sportsnet. And as always, Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. So make sure you subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And catch us up on YouTube, Locked on Leafs, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. As you can see, no mic today. For those of you watching on YouTube, I have brought in some help. James from Offside Hockey Talk, one of my favorite people to have conversations with about the Leafs, whether it's on his show, Offside Talk, or <laughs> even on Twitter. Uh, James, thank you for coming on uh, for me, especially with Mike not here. And I, I, I wanted to repay you because you've had me on your show a few times, maybe not always you asking or me saying, hey, you know, if you ever need, have me on. So I wanted to return the favor and have you on. So thank you for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. No problem. And uh, there's no tweet too late, my friend. Obviously, we just wrapped our show and I happen to be in the uh, the spot with everything set up. So no problems at all. Yeah. And uh, w- what, a, what a day to have or what a show to have because the Toronto Maple Leafs going into this game, it was all about Kyle Dubas coming home. Kyle Dubas is coming home. How are the Leafs going to kind of... I wouldn't say revenge was on their mind, but you would have to think that after what happened in Pittsburgh, you know, with Kyle Dubas being in Toronto, a lot of talk about that, that the team wanted to keep the focus on the ice. And let's just say what happened on the ice (laughs) and seeing Kyle Dubas' reaction off the ice... I think that might have been one of the more satisfying wins of the season. I will say it was a good win. Um, I'm not in the boat like most people that for some reason we have this angst on Kyle Dubas. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that wanted more power, wanted something. They said, either take what we give you or go. And he said, I'll go. He went to Pittsburgh and he's doing his thing over there. By the way, it was also Jason Spetz's return. Uh, to the Maple Leafs as well. A lot of people leaving that one out. Um, you know, obviously, Spezza seems to be an untouchable, bulletproof kind of guy um, who followed his guy, Kyle Dubas, over there. But at the same time, like I said, I hold no angst or ill will towards Kyle Dubas. So his fingerprints are all over this team. If this team succeeds this season and wins the Holy Grail, it'll be because Kyle Dubas' fingerprints are a lot over this team. You know, and, and that's right. Like, I think... You know, yeah, a lot of people are trying to get their digs on Dubas. And look, that's fair. There were, you know, there were some hurt feelings because, yeah, Dubas wasn't brought back. And with the whole, you know, it's or nowhere. And then almost, you know, not too long after he's president of the of the Penguins and things like that. But what I liked most about this win was you got to see a bit of the the Dubas Leafs, right, playing a factor. And also the Bradshaw Living Leafs playing a factor as well, right? There was a bit yeah. of a bit of both in how this team kind of combined in that regard. And the big one for me had to have been you, you know, minutes, half hour before. I mean, they obviously these guys knew well before, but everyone in the building finds out no Austin Matthews. We knew TJ Brody was like that was touch and go whether he was going to be able to co- go. Yeah. Yeah, he was dealing with the flu. But then you get Ali Freeman sends that tweet. Uh, word is Austin Matthews might not play. And like when you hear Austin Matthews might not play, it's, it doesn't leave you with a really good feeling. There's no warm and fuzzies about that. No. But then you see the lineup changes. I personally, when I saw the Marner Domi combo, them getting back to getting together, I'm just like, you know what? I'm looking forward to this. Like this yeah, looks, it, has, it could be, could be some fun, right? They go out in that first period, 
you know, here's Matthew Nyes, you know, coming to coming to the aid of of Domi there. He him they got some instant chemistry already. Like you could not have asked for a better effort from this Leafs team to make people forget that their best player wasn't even in the lineup. Well, let me tell you this. That game right there, I look at Matthew Nyes coming back from two games off, being sick, taking charge, and that goal was a young player figuring out how to use his body, shield the puck, and put that puck in the net. And he's been working on that the past few weeks, driving in the uh, the Nashville game across the crease, really using that big frame. And then, of course, like you said, sticking up for Domi. That really kind of galvanized that team. It was a lot of, hey, F around and find out tonight because they weren't taking any of it. A lot of net front clearing, a lot of scrums, a lot of guys really getting into battles and digging in. I loved it, man. It was absolutely awesome. That is an effort you want to see from pillar to post. And for me, Matthew Nice stood out as a guy who came back full of P&V and ready to go. Yeah, and, and with this Leafs team, ever since that game in Boston where Lilligren got hurt and there was no response to Marshawn, this team, I think you've seen a noticeable difference in how they stand up for their guys. Like Martin yep. Jones, here he is after he's got the puck and he's covered it up. The Penguins, t- not even a little poke, and John Tavares goes ballistic on Sydney on Sidney Crosby. Crosby, nonetheless. Like before the game, him and Sid are like, you know, hey, how's it going? Nothing you know, it nice, nice. Touches, <laughs> then Tavares's goalie gets touched, and he just uh, the, some wire went came loose, and he was just like, nah, not today, man. Like, and he goes nuts on him. And and I've I've heard so many people complain to me how the Leafs don't do that stuff enough. They don't go in and you know tell the other team not today. We're not dealing with this. I've noticed this a lot more with this team the last the last little while that yeah they're not doing it all the time because I think it gets a little little too much right when you're doing it all the time yeah but when you see it especially in a game where they're dominant they're dominating on the scoreboard is getting out of hand and you know that for the other team sometimes to try to get back into the game you're trying to throw the other team off so they're gonna do the little pokes they're gonna do those little things to try to throw them off. And the Leafs are, you know, yeah, sometimes you don't have to retaliate if you don't need to. But in the Leafs case, it's just like, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let, we're not going to give them the satisfaction of doing what they want and we're not going to respond. Well, it's also a momentum killer too, right? Mm -hmm. You have a team coming in and trying to do something, poke at your goaltender, do whatever, get under your skin. But if you shut them down, and in most cases on Saturday night, sit them down, um, it really bodes well for a team and it really brings that one for all, all for one mentality that comes into it. And it went right through their legs. All these guys were scoring. Bobby McMahon gets his first goal. You can do the Vince McMahon strut. I wish he would have, would have been hilarious to see just the last name play. Um, But yeah, Noah Gregor, all these different guys just jumping up and really making it work when you're top guys out of the lineup in Austin Matthews. And then on the defense, I mean, these guys were doing it by committee again. No TJ Brody, but it was next man up. Timothy Lillencrum comes back in, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But he led all defensemen in ice time. So, I mean, they were easy. The one that went over 20 minutes. And that's surprising to me because anytime the Leafs are missing a defenseman, the person that's taken up the slack is Morgan Riley. Yep. Right? Going into this game, and I talked about this with Mike, it was like Timothy Logan's planning to come back. They're planning to bring him back. Maybe they go seven defensemen because, you know, guys will bang go, up yeah. and want to get Lilligren's conditioning up. Guy played over 20 minutes. Like, yeah. and, you know, this is someone that, yeah, him and Riley obviously got some of those offensive zone starts, but you know, when you're playing more than everyone else, you're playing in a lot. I mean, there are a lot of penalties in 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 this game as well. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's not like the Leafs didn't. You know, I mean, Pittsburgh also took a heck of a lot more penalties as well. But you know, this wasn't a Timothy Lilligan game where he was sheltered. And I I like the fact that you know, yeah, you didn't have Brody. It would have been nice if they were both in the line to really see this team getting that getting the health the yeah. health on their side and i i, I kind of made a joke in that well yeah you get lilligren back 
And the hockey guards, hockey guards were like, no, there's not enough balance here. We need to take, we need to take a few guys out. And they're like, <laughs> well, we'll take Brody out, but just to screw with the Leafs a little bit more, we'll also give Austin Matthews the same flu that's been ravaging. Like this flu has been like, it started with Samsonov a few weeks ago and it's just, it's, it's moved slowly it's, through every single player. It's been a persistent pain in the rear. Like when you really think about it. Um, so yeah, what it didn't do, it didn't hamper what the Leafs did on the ice because they did pick up the 7 nothing victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. David Morrissey here with James from Offside Hockey. We're going to move on to the our three stars of the game. We're going to go through that. Who really impressed? Who stood out from everybody else here? Uh, we're going to do that next here on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll get back to the episode in a minute, but before we do, I want to talk to you about one of our show sponsors, and it is our title sponsor today, and it is our friends over at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices used from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, and we're a few days away from the holidays. Christmas is coming up. You may be looking to want to get some last-minute gifts. Go over to Game Time, check and see if you want to get any Leafs tickets, enjoy some, some hockey over the winter break, or whatever other events you want to go to. It is great, great option for those who are looking for gifts this holiday season. And as always, Game Time gives you the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all those things uh, and all inconvenient on the game time app buy tickets in seconds with two taps game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts it's the place to find last minute seats and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and roll for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use promo code Locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast, your team every day. David Morsuti here with my good friend, James, from Offside Hockey. If you have not listened to Offside Hockey Talk, I don't know what you guys, you guys are missing out. It's great Leafs talk twice a week live. That's an important one. We, we record these shows offline. James does these all live. Like, and if it and goes I, wrong, it goes wrong. If it goes wrong, yeah, exactly. If it goes wrong. We're, we're just going with the ship, man. We're just going with the flow of things. And so it's great hockey talk. He always has some great guests on. This week, I believe he had Tic Tac Tomar. Tic Tac Tomar on, yep. Uh, Kyle Cushman, Wednesday night, will be on the show. World Juniors preview. A person mm-hmm. who was just on the Locked On Leafs show, yep. by the way. Make sure you follow them. Kyle is uh, Kyle's making the rounds. He's a busy guy this time of year. So, if, you know, there's no better person to have on to get uh, opinions on the Leafs prospects. And, you know, with with the World Juniors coming up, it's going to be hockey, hockey, hockey. If you're if you ask for more hockey for Christmas, you're getting that delivered to you um, for sure. When you look back at this game on Saturday and, you know, we talked about the good things and it's hard to, you know, we always don't like to nitpick a win like this, but balance is key here because it a seven nothing victory can look very good on paper, but then when you look at some of the underlying things that happened in this game, you know Pittsburgh looked didn't look great, but there were some things that Pittsburgh did that I'm surprised they couldn't take more advantage of, or it didn't lead to some sort of success for them. One of them, and you brought this up, you know, when we're doing our little pregame chat, the faceoff percentage, you know. Uh, like if you looked at the team faceoff percentage, the Pittsburgh Penguins won fifty eight point nine percent of the faceoffs. The Leafs forty one point one percent. That's not a major. Like it's not the Leafs obviously weren't great in the faceoffs, but it wasn't as big of a dis- like you see that discrepancy. You think ah it wasn't too bad. 
But then you look at the guys who didn't perform well at the draws. Yes. I'm surprised because that to me speaks to how did the Leafs put up seven goals? You know, usually face-offs, you get possessions and things like that. And then you look at some of these numbers, like David Camp. Let's start with the worst one. David Camp, who takes a lot of face-offs on the penalty kill, five on five, 15.8%. That's not good enough. Not good enough. 33%, by the way, in the Columbus game as well. Not good enough for a guy who's leaned on as your penalty kill specialist mm-hmm. and fourth-line face-off specialist. Not good enough. What? But, but and and we'll get to we'll go through the other numbers here, and I'll explain why this why I'm bringing this up in the first place. Pontus Holmberg, fourth line center, twenty five percent. Max Domi took over as a second line center with Marner and Nyes, twenty eight point six percent. And then you're thinking, okay, well, how did the Leafs have such a half decent face off percentage? Only one guy on this team was above 50%. And that's was the captain, John Tavares. Oh, sorry. There was two. There were two. <laughs> we, we have to factor it in because a oh, lot of people will point out that yeah, I guess was perfect guess, on the dot. Yeah. The, I forgot the William Nylander hundred hundo percent. Uh, but Tavares 77.8% of the draws he won. And, and what bothers me about all this is you have Manny Malholtra on this coaching staff. He was the face-off specialist when he played in the NHL. Yep. And Austin Matthews is a pretty decent guy on the draw most of the time. There's a, There are guys who are really good on the draws. They're specialized at that. So you're not always going to get the upper hand on that. But Tavares is like, if, if there's an important face-off, I always said that John Tavares is the guy I want taking that face-off. No one else. And this is what always bothered me yeah. about the David Camp out for overtime as a defensive guy. Overtime is all about possession, and then he always loses the face-off. He's won a couple of them. Let's give him a little credit. He's, there's been but, a couple times, but I, I get what you're saying. I know yeah. I know where you're going with this. So I, I found that this the, the game story could have been totally different if the Penguins somehow figured out a way to make use of the extra possessions they would have had from the face-offs, but that's not what happened here. So I, I that that to me, I if I was Kyle Dubas, I would have frustrated the heck out of me. I mean, there was a lot that frustrated Kyle Dubas. Like <laughs> he he uh, and and the thing is, is in Pittsburgh, as as we've talked about on this podcast, he's really found ways to make himself not as visible on the on the TVs, right, as he was in Toronto. And I, I'm sure he does remember that he is a lot more visible. Um, so I, I just found that to be very, uh, very interesting. You know, that that didn't work out in the way that I think the Pittsburgh Penguins wanted it to. So let's now pivot to the three stars because. Can I get one point in on Pontus Holmberg right quick? Go ahead. The big problem I have with Pontus Holmberg is he he does bring a certain element to this lineup. But mm-hmm. if he wants to be an NHLer, an everyday one yep. with the Maple Leafs, I've said this all of last year. You can go back and listen to the Offsides podcast. I've said it to David a few times. His face-off percentage has to be above 50%, at least some of the time. It never is. I have not seen a game where his face-off percentage is above or on par for 50%. It's just not there. And that is something that they have to drill into this guy because he will be only a third and fourth line player. And those players usually are leaned on defensively yep. to win draws and do things a la David Camp. You look at Max Tomey on the third line. Those things have to really feed into his game if he wants to be an everyday Maple Leaf player. I was surprised when I did see that was when Pontus Homer got called up. Because it was an easy thing because Ryan Reeves is out. So I thought, okay, he's going to replace Reeves. But then you see Austin Matthews. I was like, oh, now they really do need Pontus Holmberg. And, you know, when he had, when he was going through camp and there was a lot of talk about, oh, you know, this guy really deserves to be in the lineup. I guarantee that was probably the reason, one of the reasons he didn't stick around or wasn't on the main roster, right? And they went with Fraser Minton over a Pontus Holmberg, right? 
Yeah, well, for sure. I fully agree with you on that one. It was with one aspect of the game that he really needs to grow and just focus on. And I don't know why. I mean, I remember a time when uh, guys like Kasperi Kapanen, Andreas Janssen, were sent down to the Marlies and they were told, you're going to learn how to PK because that's what you're going to be doing when you're up with us here in the NHL. Yeah, and and look, <clears throat> what made those guys very valuable, right, when they were with the Leafs and what made them hot commodities when, you know, Kasperi Kapanen was traded to Pittsburgh when – I mean, Andreas Janssen didn't really pan out when he was traded off, but like there were, they at least did those things well. And that was also a reason why people didn't want to see those guys leave because you, you put in that development time with them and you didn't want to lose that pretty much, you know, part of it was for salary and getting guys to make the, the numbers work and all that. So, um, we now have to move on to the positive parts because, you know, it was a it was a great effort from the Leafs in terms of what they got out of the game, and looking at these three stars. So I've, as you know, after every Leafs win, we do three stars. There was no doubt there was going to be a three star segment going into this game. Um, so uh, James, you are the guest. I guess it's only fair. I'm usually I'm the one going first, so this is going to feel a little odd for me to ask someone else to go first. But again, I am the host today. So, James, who is getting your third star for Saturday's win? Third star for Saturday's win is going to be the penalty kill. Mm -hmm. Um, And why do I say that? Because the Maple Leafs penalty kill this season has been well noted up until lately, has not been that great. There was a time where they were 30th in the league in the PK. They have moved themselves steadily to the middle of the pack, which I said – earlier in the season myself, would take a long time for them to get to respectability. They are at 80% now. They are 0.5% away from being in the top 12 in the NHL in penalty kill. So they are working hard on that, and they stymied a bad Pittsburgh power play. I know they're bad, but with guys like Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, and the Leafs being the Leafs, they're usually a team's remedy for what ails them. On Saturday night, they were a perfect three for three on the penalty kill. That gets me a star because that is a key thing, especially with your third string goaltender in there. They were blocking shots. They were laying in lanes. Lagason dove to block a Crosby pass. That would have been a tap-in. So all of those things, we talk about little things. For me, I got a lot of the penalty kill as my third star. No, and, and it, they were fantastic in this game. I think when, you know, Pittsburgh – they were. I mean, it was well documented how brutal that penalty, that power play was. They get a couple of goals in Montreal. Everyone thinks, okay, now let's see if this is gonna get things growing right, get them back on the right track. But then you have to remember that the Montreal Canadiens have one of the worst penalty kills in the NHL. Yep, thirty first currently in the NHL. So you know, maybe a little too, little too early to say Pittsburgh was turning things around. So as you said, they went over three and, and really it wasn't just that they killed the penalties, but it was when they killed the penalties, right? Yeah. These are opportunities for Pittsburgh to get back in the game. And the Leafs said, no, we're going to make sure that if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us on five on five. And yet again, Pittsburgh had their opportunities at five on five, but you know, it's the power plays, those power play opportunities, three of them especially, could have been a, a difference maker in this game. For me, my third star had to go to uh, go to Timothy Lilligren. You know, he may not have had, you know, an all-worldly game when you look at some of the guys who performed well for the Leafs, but what he did for me is he came back, first game back, you think you try to ease him a bit into the lineup, no, you got to play a top pair with Morgan Riley, which has been touch and go out a lot of times this year. Plays the most minutes, as we said in the first segment, and did not give up. Obviously, was not on the ice for a goal against because the Leafs did not allow a goal against, right? I think that's a great confidence boost, not only for him to know that, you know, he's out for so long, he's able to come back in against, again, a good Pittsburgh. On paper, a good pace for Penguins team. On the ice, we saw a little bit of a different story. 
But I think that is so important because this Leafs blunt has been so banged up. We're talking about what is Le- what are Leafs going to do to fix some of this? Maybe just getting some of these guys back. You know, Lily Grins first. I'm sure Brody will get over the illness and will be back in the next game. Geo should hopefully be back soon. And you know what? Then you get a better sense of what the and me and again, people wondering what is the Leafs going to make a trade for a defenseman? I think they're kind of waiting to see if this group can get back healthy. Just yep. to see what exactly does this does this blue line need? Because getting Timothy Lilligren back and him playing twenty minutes a night, it's a pretty big addition right off the hop right there. No, it works well. It does. Timothy Lilligren is a guy that we've all wanted to see take the next steps. And if you're coming back off an injury and playing 20 minutes in your first night, not looking at a place, what do we always say about defensemen? If you don't hear their name, they're doing the right things. Yeah. We didn't hear a lot of Timothy Lilligren's name in a negative sense, other than everybody pumping up the fact that he was back on the ice. Exactly. All right. Uh, your second star. My second star is a guy who came back on the ice. Um, he's 12th in rookie scoring right now after missing two games, but he did have himself a goal and an assist and a Bobby Orr hat trick. Loving it. Um, this guy right here, I'm going to say Matthew Nyes. He's got to be on your scorecard. And why do I say that? He goes down, he scores that goal, he uses his body, protects the puck, roofs it, sets Scotiabank Arena on fire, protects a teammate, does all of the right things. Absolutely love it for Matthew Nyes. And by the way, he's not far off from getting into the top five in rookie scoring, three points away. Guy can do that, no problem, especially playing with guys like Nylander and Matthews or really just mixing up with whoever he's playing with. So Matthew Nyes, my second star for sure. So with Matthew Nyes, Sportsnet stats, again, I always say if you're looking for stats, they're one of the best to follow for especially Canadian-specific, hockey-specific stuff. He was the first Leafs player with the Gordie Howe hat trick since. Gordie Howe, I said Bobby Orr. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was. I didn't even catch that. Well, so go, first player with a, go, a Leafs player with the Gordie Howe hat trick since Daniel Winnick, February twenty first, two thousand fifteen. I went one further because the Discord guys in the Discord um, Blue Thirteen was asking me, uh, David, can you find out when was the last time a Leafs rookie? had a Gordie Howe hat trick because it's Daniel Winnick seasoned veteran. Yeah. When's the last time a rookie did it? Again, as since stats crew, I can always email and get these things found, figured out. Matt Fratton back on April 3rd. Matt Fratton. April 3rd, 2012. If you had asked me to even guess, I should have asked you to guess, but um, for the sake of time, um, he and I also had the answer on my Twitter, so somebody could have easily looked it up there. But Matt Fratton being the last Leafs rookie back in 2012, um, it just goes to show since that time that the Leafs really haven't had a rookie drop the mitts, right? Like, I don't like, yeah, there have been some guys who throw down, but like, it's so rare to see one do it because it hasn't happened in 11. In, in in 11 years that's insane matt fratton who right. would have thought matt fratton mm-hmm. so um i'm gonna give my second star because i'm gonna talk a little bit more about matthew nye's little tease on my first star um but my second star was martin jones well deserved uh second start with the leafs third appearance with the leafs and he gets a, he gets a shutout Second consecutive shutout on Hockey Night in Canada for a Leafs goaltender, and this was a hard. Like you know what he had thirty. He had thirty eight shots against, which again there was six. You know there was some power plays, so that played a factor to how many shots yep. he took. But he had to make some big saves in this game. Pittsburgh, as bad as they played defensively and left their goaltending out the dry, dry. They were persistent with pressure all game long. The Leafs didn't allow, you know, they allowed chances, but Martin Jones, again, he didn't have to do a whole lot in terms of making like otherworldly saves, but he had to make important saves to keep the pretty much what I I would say is keep the Pittsburgh Penguins 
frustrated. And yep. you saw the frustration there. They're going for those pokes and things like that. But he's like, no, that's not happening. Like, don't get me wrong. The Leafs allowed a lot of shots, but they had way more high danger scoring chances, 22 to 12 all game long. So it's not like it's not like the the Penguins, you know, were very dangerous in those areas. But again, I think I think Martin Jones, I think the confidence to know that the goaltender was solid, you weren't going to be worried about whether he was going to allow that brutal goal. Like, yeah, the difference between what we saw from Ilya Samsonov on Thursday to Martin Jones on Saturday, like I think. Some of us wondered should Samsonov get the get the get the net again just to maybe try to work up some confidence. Sheldon Keith didn't really think that much, and look what Martin Jones does. He gets a shutout. I will say this about Martin Jones: he was very calm in that net. Mm-hmm. There was nothing sporadic. It was nothing crazy. Everything seemed to be kind of like a a game of catch with a friend. He was very able to receive the shot. And just make it routine. Everything was ready. It wasn't anything that really alarmed you. And I, I really start to see the Leafs play differently in front of Wall than they play differently in front of Jones. It's almost, uh, I wouldn't say an air of arrogance, of confidence on the goaltender. But they just feel like the goaltender will make that save. They've seen it on Saturday night. They've seen it with Joe Wall. Bailing them out until he got injured in the Ottawa game, may I add. Um, yeah. But I look at it like this and say they feel confident with Jones and that. And he was just great where he needed to be great, but didn't have to do anything crazy. And I love that. He just His game was very, very calm. And it really reflected on the rest of the team going through the rest of that game. No, and again, when we were looking at how this Leafs team was going to be able to get over Joseph Wall being sidelined, I you knew they were going to have to lean on both goaltenders because yep. – Samson just hasn't shown that he's able to sustain over a long period of time the starters net. Unfortunately, yep. he's working through obviously the illness, but also just personal confidence right now. And the Leafs are going to have to make some decisions. You know, they do have some, you know, the games aren't going to be overly difficult. They do have a couple against Columbus coming up. The Sabres are, I mean, Sabres are for the Leafs. They're tough. Yeah. <laughs> for usually for most teams are not, but they do. They do have some a little bit of easier matchups, but they do have a lot of games coming up, uh, you know, over the next few few weeks. So they're gonna have to really, I think, spread, uh, you know, spread the workload out for both goaltenders. So it's good to see that Martin Jones can step in, obviously, and give you those starts. No, I, I want to see that more too. And uh, I'll ask you this question, David: With the way Samsonov has played as of late, if that does continue and Martin Jones then usurps him right now as a starter for a little bit and goes on a bit of a roll, and then Joe Wool comes back, would you feel more confident rolling with Wool and Jones than Wool and Samsonov? And for me right now, I and I know Samsonov cannot really go anywhere, so they have the cap space to probably roll with three goalies if they so choose, with the Marlies being so close to move guys up and down. But I would say, for me, I'd feel more confident in Wool and Jones Right now, now guys, I know small sample size on Jones, but still the confidence seems to be there for the Maple Leafs. Here's the thing about Martin Jones. He, his career has never been as a backup. He's nope. been a starter in this league. We tend to forget that. Obviously, the numbers haven't been great throughout his career, but you get him in front of a half de- Like, Let's not forget, he's been on the Philadelphia Flyers who hadn't really been a good team. He's on the Seattle Kraken last year. The Kraken, I think, were punching above a bit, a bit above their weight when you look at what's happened to them this year. San Jose, he's had some good teams in San Jose, some not so good teams in San Jose, right? But this is a guy who is, you know, close to 500 games in the NHL, over 430 starts as an NHL goaltender. This is not someone who, you know. It's not like a Curtis McElhinney where you're like, I don't know if I can see this guy. Lightning in a bottle, so to speak. Right? This is someone who has the experience and you can expect to play a lot of games. He started 42 games last year. Had the same amount of wins last year as Samsonov. Right? Your job as a goaltender is to get the win. Are they all going to be pretty? No. Has has Martin Jones' 
stats look good in the NHL? No, but he comes up with the Leafs, and he's had two really good starts against two pretty strong opponents. Let's not forget the New York Rangers. Yeah, he left in a couple of goals, but he saved the least bacon enough in that game to Keep him get that win, right? I, I say, you know, Sheldon Keefe's gonna have to really, he's gonna have to make a very tough decision over the next few games of who you're gonna ride as your number one. He could just go one A, one B if he really wants to, and I don't think it would be the wrong decision. But no. I think you also have to reward Martin Jones a little bit here for what he's done lately. And you're gonna get Samsonov in the net. There's gonna be opportunities. No, oh, yeah. We're not benching this guy, but it's all about it's all about keeping pace, right? Doing what's right for the team sometimes. And I, right now, Martin Jones looked a little more, uh, at, a little better in that regard. A little right, more we're going mm-hmm. to take another quick break because we do have one more star to give out. We'll tidy up the Leafs' uh, wins and uh, kind of look at some of the injuries that we already have Lilligren come back. We got a Ryan Reeves update. We're going to kind of look at the big picture when it comes to the Leafs injuries here on the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets cold, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. It's, the app is simple to use. It's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overrunners, and more. Of course, if you want to bet on the Leafs, there are so many great props you can look at over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Fan, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNHL and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. David Morrissey here with my good friend James from Offside Hockey. And we've given our two stars. Now it's time to wrap a bow on our three stars and give our third, st- our first star of the game, James, who was deserving of the honor of the guy from this Saturday's game. Well, given all the flack he's taken by a lot of writers and different things lately, uh, I picked this guy who is now the. Uh, I'm out of games as a jersey number his father wore in Toronto. I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Max Domi. 17 points in 28 games. He had three points on the weekend. One goal, two assists, plus three on the game. Loving his effort. Loving the way that he's using his speed to make his game better than it was when he first started with the Leafs this season. Once he got his feet moving, he was absolutely dynamite. And he's been dynamite. I know he only has two goals, but 17 points. He's finding the way to get the puck to guys, and he's setting up guys like Robertson. He's setting up guys like Nyes. He's setting up different plays and making things happen, which I absolutely love for Max Domi. He's the spark plug the Leafs needed. He's the shot in the arm the third line needed, and he's also a guy who moved up into the second line in a pinch, which is something the Leafs need is a guy who can be versatile and do different things. So for me, Max Domi gets my first star just because of all of the kind of noise around him lately, I still think this guy is producing. He's not scoring as many goals as people would like, but you have to look at everything that he brings. And, man, when Joe Thornton was racking up the assists over in San Jose, nobody was upset with the fact he was getting 80 assists a year. So if Max Domi can get himself 40 assists this year, I think everybody will be just fine with maybe 10 and 40 and a 50 stat line for Max Domi. And that may be shooting for the stars, but he gets my first star right here. Well, and and for my first star, I went with just that whole line because again, it was thrown together with mouse with the idea that Austin Matthews wasn't playing. We had yep. no idea how they were going to work him and Mitch Marner showed that, you know what? There's, there's a connection there that could be, you know, can be thrown out when, you know, if the least need to juggle lines or anything like that. And I really look back to when, Everyone was complaining. As you said, a lot of people were not happy with how things were going to start the year. Offense was really dried up. They weren't scoring a lot. A lot of flack, as you said, was being thrown at Max Domi and also at Tyler Bertuzzi. Yep. In the month of December, the core four forwards are the tops in the team in scoring. In the month of December. Expected. Expected. Should be expected. 
Number five on that list is Max Domi with six points in seven games in December. Remember when Max Domi kind of told everyone that he wasn't worried, he wasn't concerned about his start of, to the year? Yep. This is the type of attitude I think that the the Leafs need needed from a guy like Max Domi because, yeah, has he been playing perfectly? No, there are some things in his game that have, you know, there's warts to it. <laughs> oh, as we got the Max Domi jersey here from, from James, I do love that. Um, but you know what? Yeah, as you said, you know what? He's not scoring as much, but I mean, we do see that there is the score, uh, scoring ability there. You saw that yeah. goal he scored, the chemistry with Marner and Nyes, um, the two assists, the playmaking ability. I think sometimes that's get again, that is a bit underrated when you consider, you know, what he did the last few years, right? What I like the most about that line, though, was the energy they brought. You know, first off, no one's giving credit to Martin Jones really for that pass. He deserved an assist for that Domi goal because yep. if it wasn't for Martin Jones, that goal does not happen. What a great play he made there. But it's also showing what this Leafs team has that other times we didn't really see it. When Austin Matthews would get would get injured, the Leafs would get by. Yep. They would get just enough to get wins. Their first game without Austin Matthews this year, they score seven goals. I, everyone was messaging me like when they were watching. Like People were watching this game that I usually yep. don't expect to hear while watching this game. They'll watch Leafs casually, take a look at the score. I was getting messages from people like, what's going on here? What's going on here? It just felt like that line had a different energy to it. Right. What it looked like in a lot of ways was you're watching Mitch Marner and Max Domi back when they were with the London Knights. Having fun, man. And Matthew Nyes, I'm not going to make the direct comparison. (laughs) And you know who I'm going with? He had a bit of a Matthew Kachuk feel to him. He was that big presence, the physical guy getting mixing up, causing causing trouble. Right. He he has a fight. But that that kind of what it brought me back to was watching that London Knights team where they were fun to watch. They had energy. They were putting up points. Like, listen, let's not forget Max Domi was a first round pick because this guy could produce. He was yep. producing at a high level in the in the OHL. Didn't really work out, you know, with with Arizona. But when he got to Montreal, let's not forget the guy had seventy two points in a season one time. You know. This guy has the ability to put up points in the NHL. Sure, has he been putting up at an elite level? No. But the depth in the Leafs' ability to show that they can bring a guy like this up. Now, yep. you do this over in a sustained period, we don't know. Obviously, he didn't play a lot, too. I thought he played more. When I looked at the stat sheet, he only played less than 13 minutes. That kind of kind of surprised me a little bit. But again, it just shows the Leafs have a lot more depth than this team gets credit for they can mix their lines up. Yeah. Is it always going to work out this way? Not particularly. I don't think you can really get by too much with David camp as your third line center and winning only 15% of his draws. Pontus homework as your fourth line center winning 25% of the draws. But when you have that top six working like they did, when you have Kelly Arncroft can kind of go up and down the lineup too. Bobby McMahon shows that he's, you know, he's a solid player for you. You know, it, it just shows that you can rely on these guys to really put it all together. And as you said with Matthew Nyes, you know, as the first star, he brings that different element, right? We talked, they talked about the snot, overused word. I get it. Bertuzzi brings it, Domi brings it. Matthew Nyes has been bringing it ever since he got here. Noah Gregor, Benoit. Yeah. Oh, Noah Gregor. Like a buddy of mine says, this guy should be getting a contract extension soon. I'm like, okay, well, let's relax here. It's a fourth liner. You don't necessarily need to worry about giving him a contract extension. But I see the reason why they think that because he's bringing the different element, his speed, his tenacity, this, you know, going to he's the dirty. He's making the bottom six more complete in my it eyes. Is. It is. The, you know, the bottom six has not, in past years, it was just filling out lines. At You know, there wasn't, there wasn't, Mike talked about it. We talked about it. What was the identity? The, the problem identity. with the bottom six for the Leafs a lot of the time, yeah. David, 
was the fact that someone would do good in the bottom six and they'd instantly want to elevate them into the top six. Yeah. And they did that with Noah Gregor because obviously of what happened with Matthew Nyes. He played up there with Matthews. But for me, I'm looking at it and say, don't elevate him. And that's not because I don't want to reward the guy. It's because he makes that bottom six that much more dangerous for the team over the course of 82 games. And he should stay down there because that's where teams don't have their best defenders out there against them. And he has the speed, the forecheck, the hands. He can do things. As Clark Monroe always says, he's a good WHL boy and used to put up points down there in the dub. So he knows what he's doing too. The big one, the big one here too is um, Nick Robertson. Yeah, he's not scoring as much as we expect. He's playing third line minutes, not getting power play time. But what he is doing is doing those little things away from the puck. Relentless on the forecheck. He's pressuring guys he's moving or he's getting he's bringing the energy that's what this leafs bottom six needs it's energy and there's times where they don't look good the fourth line hasn't exactly looked at its best but when you had put max Domi to the middle it changed everything just because the guy brought you know just brought energy he that playmaking ability the speed that's something the leafs did really uh were lacking so it was good to see that for at least one game Without Austin Matthews, you could put that line together, and that you know, Domi gets three points, Nice gets two, Marner gets three. The power play looked pretty, pretty good. Like I, you know, it wasn't amazing, but they 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 put on uh, they put on points when they needed to. That's it right there. Yep. Um. So to put a kind of wrap a bow on today, uh, we did get obviously Timothy Lilligren come back. Brody Matthews should hopefully be back for Tuesday's game against New York. Um, Ryan Reeves. This is an interesting one where Sheldon Keefe said the injury wasn't as bad as we expected. Which is good. Which is good. So basically saying it's an IR situation, not an LTIR situation. Um, that also kind of leaves the Leafs in a, in a situation with the salary cap where you would have liked to have used if you needed it, needed to use Reeves, but they're in the position right now where they can just move guys down. Um, you know, with Lilligren back, they can move a guy like LeJoie down or whoever. To yep. back. But eventually, bro, uh, you know, Giordano's going to come back. You're, you're seeing this team getting back to health, which is a good thing. But now you also have to wonder who, who, how do you make this roster look, you know, who comes in and out? Who like how are you? It, I don't know when Jordan was coming back. I'm not speculating, but now with Brody coming back, expect to back. How do you kind of see your lineup looking? I look at it like it's going to be Riley, obviously with uh, with Brody. But for me, I've looked at the and I say Lilligan and Riley haven't worked really well together historically, um, but they look good on Saturday night. So you go back to it again a couple times and see what works. Because I'm in the boat right now with Brody. And you know my stance on him. I don't think he should go anywhere. But TJ Brody probably needs his minutes, you know, lowered a little bit. Don't give him such a heavy workload. And you'll probably get a better version of TJ Brody. So maybe you move him down um, and then have your bottom pair. How do you take Benoit out of this lineup? You don't. How do you take Lagaston out of this lineup? He's looked good too. Like, how do you not, you know, tell these guys, hey, sorry, we got to cut you out now because Giordano's back. Maybe this is the time where you load manage Giordano. And if you have the flexibility to sit him and put in a, a Lagasin or a Benoit or whatever, maybe that's what you do. But for me, I think it's going to be in complete flux. And this may be a season where, hey, if a guy's not feeling so hot or he blocked a shot one game, you can rotate in and out and keep guys healthy. And now we've seen Lagasin and Benoit play up. We've seen Lilligren play up one game so far, but you can do all these different things now and make it work. And that's something the Leafs have not had the luxury of. It's always been, oh, this guy's out and we're done. We we got to figure out we're we're blowing it up. And Leaf fans were like that so far with the injuries we've had, and the stopgap measures have worked. So, I think right now it'll be an in and out basis to keep guys fresh and healthy. And that for Giordano is what we need for the playoffs. Yeah, they're gonna need that, and we'll see how it all shapes. So I, I actually wouldn't mind seeing Lugren and Riley get a little bit of time together, and you have a McKay Brody pairing. 
you know, Brody can go on the right side. You get McKay back on the left side. We know yep. he's probably a little more comfortable in that regard. And you got Legas and Benoit Timmons kind of fighting for ice, you know, time on the third pairing. And when Giordano comes back, one guy will have to go. But again, at least now you have a rotation that hasn't really been there. And we said the Leafs were going to need to keep Giordano from playing more than he should have, which was the issue before he got hurt. By the way, can we do an honorable mention to uh, Jake McCabe? I don't know what switch has been flipped the past couple of weeks, but he's lower in the boom. The passes are great, and that power play goal, love it. Yep. You know, the the goal he scored against, yeah, Columbus, you know, a little more, I think maybe just, I think maybe that hit, that hit kind of woke him up a little bit. I think it's I like really doing this. Few, you, you're right. The last few weeks, I am seeing a little more. I am seeing a little bit more when it comes to uh, Jake McCabe. So let's see. Uh, let's see how far he can keep this. And I think it's going to be. It's nice to see that the blue line's not being talked about. I mean, they're going to continue to talk about it. Yep. Uh, you know what the how to elevate it because it's not been bad. It's just we need to see it get to another level. You know, when the time comes for the big boy hockey to come. Yeah, and I, I think that this is not a finished product either. I think they finally have the depth guys that they want, but I do think there will be moves to augment this defense to a, another level, like you said. So expect those, but right now we'll enjoy what we have. Yes, we will. All right, and that will do it uh, here on the podcast. James, want to thank you for hopping on for, with Mike out. I uh, really do appreciate it. We will be back with another episode on Tuesday where we will oh, – sorry for – yeah, on Tuesday, where we will preview Tuesday's game against the New York Rangers. Fresh uh, one week following that big dominant victory, the Rangers will now come back for some revenge. We'll tee up that game and other news and notes from Leafs practice here on the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.